In the background in this Psalms, um, David is on the run from Saul. Saul is chasing him, so he goes to Nob, and he uh, finds shelter with Ahimelech. Then he leaves there and goes to Gath, but then he um, is found out, and he's afraid of the Philistines. So then he goes to the cave of Adullam. Now, David here is extremely scared, extremely fearful of his life and what is to become of his future. And I think that we can learn a lot from Psalms 34. How many of you have seen the commercial, the Tootsie Pop commercial, where the little boy goes around to all the little animals and he asks, asks them, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Pop center of the Tootsie Roll? And all the animals reply, I don't know, I end up biting it, and says, they send him on to another animal. Now the last animal is an owl. He says, how, he says, owl, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop and a Tootsie Roll? The owl goes, okay, and he takes three big licks and he chomps down that sucker. I think this is a perfect representation of our world today. We have a very immediate, satis we have a very uh, high need for immediate satisfaction in this world. But I think that this comes from Satan. For example, Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup, just so that he could have it at that moment. Now, in Ecclesiastes um, 5, verses 10 through 11, Solomon says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. When good things increase, those who consume them increase. So what is the advantage to their owners except to look on? Solomon here makes an argument that without the perspective of God, without working um, under God's will, it is meaningless. Since Solomon doesn't mean that everything in this world has to offer is meaningless, just apart from God's will. Now in Psalms 34, David here is extremely scared. I'm just going to start in verse 1. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. And in verse 3, it says, O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I think this is something that the church here has taught us very extremely well, to magnify the Lord together as a church family. And I thank you extremely for that. And in verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. And this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Seniors, as we go on to college, there will be many days where it's tough. It's tough to push through and meet new people, do these new things. It's going to be a very, very different. And when you are scared and when you don't know what to do, I encourage you to look to Psalms 34, that David cried before the Lord and he heard his prayer. Something that I think is very, very important in the church body today is seizing the day. I learned in my English class this year um, a phrase, a Latin phrase, carpe diem, uh, coined by the Roman poet Horace. Now, um, translated through this poem, it says, pluck the day, trusting as little as possible in the next one. And because today is all that is granted for us, there's a huge need to seize the day. Now, Horace in this poem is saying you should seize the day for your own happiness. And I think that's exactly what Satan is telling us today. Seize the day for yourself. Seize the day for your own gratitude. But I want to say that we should seize the day for the Lord. 
that we should seize the day to magnify him together, that we should seize the day to, to come closer to him. Because in good times or bad times, everything will pass. And in the end, God is eternal. And in the good times, I want you to bring those who are far from God's embrace closer, and in bad times, to seek shelter in the hope of God's forgiveness and loving embrace, as David does here. And to the seniors, I want you to find a community and family to glorify the Lord with when we go off to college. As hard as it might seem to grow and branch out, it is extremely important. And to you all, for the whole church, including seniors, I encourage you to find rest and peace in the Lord in times, for, in times of trouble. In Psalms 34, I'm going to read this again. It says, O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let, his, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescue them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they, seek, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. I encourage you all today, seniors especially, as you go out to seize the day for the Lord. Carpe diem ad dominum. Seize the day, every single day for the Lord, because each day is given as a gift. Thank you. We good? Sound good? Okay. So, there's a very cliche phrase that uh, is used uh, in movies by friends. Um, when someone starts to gain some traction or popularity, uh, there's always that one person that says, don't forget me when you're famous. And this phrase, while very cliche and used so much, it, it's kind of sad uh, for whoever's saying it. It's, it's trying to invite that person back into their lives before they're even gone. And so tonight, I want to say to all you seniors, don't forget us when you're famous. So we're going to be going on to bigger, newer, better things, and we'll have new places to go, new friends, new relationships, new challenges, um, but we can't forget where we came from. This church is where it all started for you. This, this town may not be where it started for all of you, but it's where you're finishing. And there's a story from the Bible that we can parallel our lives with right now, um, and it can tell us what we shouldn't do as we're going forward. And that story is the story of the prodigal son from Luke 15, starting in verse 11. You all know the story. You know what it's about. I won't uh, read it for you because you know what it's about, and I'll just hit uh, some of the highlights of it. So our life right now reflects what the son was going through in that story. His youthful adventure, uh, or need for adventure, got to him, and he said to his dad, I want my money now, and I'm going to leave. And the dad and the family had to be okay with it because he, there was no stopping him. And right now, your parents are in the same boat. They can't really stop you. They might want to, but they, they just can't. And one thing we have to realize about going off right now is that we are risking everything. We have it good here at home. 
We have everything we need. We could live with our parents against their wishes. We could live with them, and we could have home-cooked meals every night, and we could have our own bed. No, don't have to share a room with anyone. Don't have to take hard classes. We could do it all right here. But we want to take that risk. And so we have everything to lose. Going off and having these freedoms is very much a risk because it'll bring us new challenges. It'll bring us things that we've never experienced before. And I want, you, I want to tell you that in these experiences, we won't always know what to do. See, that's where the prodigal son got in trouble. He left and he thought he could do it all by himself, but he, he really couldn't. He was too naive. And so I don't want you to think that when you go off to college and you're faced with things that because you left your family, you're completely disconnected from them and you can't ask them for help anymore. And you, don't, you can't just take it all on by yourself. Uh, speaking of these new challenges, these new risks, um, I'm in a leadership program at school and uh, our teacher always says, you're never growing unless you're outside your comfort zone. And that's where we're going right now. And so I want to encourage you while also forewarn you that while we're going through these challenges, it, it is going to push us out of our comfort zone. But that only means that we're growing. And so the biggest point in the story, back to the prodigal son, was that he realized something. This is where it all started to change and where he started to get his life back together. He realized that he could go back home. He didn't know if his family would take him back in. He didn't know if they'd want him back home, but he knew he had to try. And so while you're gone, while you're at college, just make a phone call home. Just go, go take a visit. Just take a break from everything that you're going through and just know that you have your family still at home. These people here, your friends and family, they were the ones that loved you first. They, they have the most unconditional love that you can give, and they'll always be there for you, ready to give you advice. And speaking of advice, we're going to be in a whole new world of competing ideas coming from every which way. And I just want to let you know that everything you've learned here in your past 18 years is right. You're not going to go off, you shouldn't go off and just completely accept all the ideas that are thrown at you without comparing them to what you have now, to your core values that you have now. We do, however, need to make our faith our own. I feel that maybe we've been uh, spoon-fed a little bit by, by all of our teachers here and our parents, and we haven't really had a time to grow. But I want to encourage you to make your faith your own and uh, make a faith that is defensible uh, and can be used to show how devoted we are. And if you're ever struggling looking uh, with those competing ideas uh, to see if they're right or not, I want to turn your attention to Proverbs chapter 2, and we'll read all of it. It says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight, and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver, and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. 
He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in, in doing evil, and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteresses with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land. And those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. So what this verse is saying is God knows, everyone knows that there will be times of confusion, times where you don't know where to turn or what to believe. But he also tells us that God, that he himself will be there in all of those times. And so he's always accessible. We're always accessible here. And the advice that I draw, the main point of advice that I draw from this is that staying in your faith is the best thing you can do to combat the feeling of being lost. And lastly, I want to reinforce the idea that just like the prodigal son, we will all be back together someday. It might not be here on earth. It might not be here in Abilene. It might, be in, might not be in some obscure place, uh, who knows where, but we will be back together. And just like the prodigal son, we will all be rejoicing. The whole family will be rejoicing. Everyone here wants you back someday, and that time will come. So now I want to thank everyone uh, here for my time that I've spent, and I just want to thank you for taking me in, um, taking my whole family in, and just giving us, showing us the love, and always really being excited to see us. I've been blessed to have a family uh, take me in and always love me, and to the youth group and everyone that's a part of it, (laughs) thank you. You've given me friends for a lifetime. And I just really enjoy y'all, enjoy being around y'all. I know I'll never get the times back where we're singing and just on fire for God together, but I do know that one day we will have those times again. And words can't really say how much I'm going to miss you, um, but there is a song, one of my favorite songs, that, uh, that really encapsulates what I'm trying to say. The song's about how tough it is to leave, uh, leave someone. Um, but how great it is when you get back together. And it goes like this. I'll see you in the future when you're older, when we are full of stories to be told, and I cross my heart and hope to die that I'll see you with your laughter lines. And so now, as I leave y'all, I want to say that I know we'll go through hard times, but we've got people around us to make those hard times a lot easier. I've got y'all, y'all have got your family, you'll have your new friends in college. But... No matter where you came from, one day we'll all get to see each other and tell our stories and see the laughter lines. Thank you. Zane, I think your parents are a little nicer than mine. Mine have made it pretty clear that when I move out, I'm not coming back.
So something that I've learned in my 18 years is that humans are creatures of habit, and I am certainly no exception to this rule. Every night as I'm getting ready for bed, I set two alarms, and then I open up my phone, and I turn on my Pandora app, and I put on some stand-up comedy that I'm going to listen to until I fall asleep. So after the second alarm rings in the morning, I hit the snooze, I roll out of bed, I turn off the fan, I get dressed in the dark, then I move to the bathroom and turn on the sink, let the water heat up for a minute, grab the towel, dunk my head under to make my hair stay down. <laughs> then I brush my teeth, go to the kitchen, grab my lunch, chug a glass of water, yell, Shay, I'm leaving, hurry up. <laughs> Tell my mom I love her and finally walk out to my truck. On a good morning, this all happens in about 10 minutes. And I'm in my truck by 7.55 headed to school. I bet you're all wondering why I just gave you my nightly and morning routine without any context. I told you that story to tell you this. I found that in my four years of high school, if I sleep in one more minute past my alarm, I'm going to be tardy to school. If I take time to brush my hair, I'm going to be tardy to school. If I put decent thought into what I'm going to wear, I'm going to be tardy to school. If I eat breakfast, I'm going to be tardy to school. Ever since I started driving, I have perfected this routine. And I know what I have to do, and I know how long I have to do it if I'm going to be on time. Because even though senioritis has left me with no regard for my grades, it still left me with my punctuality. <laughs> I realize that if I get distracted when I'm getting ready, I'm not going to be on time, and I hate being late. And I think that something we do as Christians quite often, me especially, is we let earthly distractions pull our attention away from our heavenly goal and fail to realize that time does not wait for us. When given the, the decision between distraction and sacrifice, we tend to err on the side of distraction. We saw this through countless biblical characters. Lot's wife, for one, was distracted by the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and was, as a punishment, turned to a pillar of salt. David was distracted by Bathsheba, and as his punishment, he lost his child. In, nope, in, Luke. in Luke chapter 21, verse 33, we are told, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But the good news here is that even when we get distracted from our path, even when we sleep in an extra minute or decide to brush our hair, we can still make it to heaven because we have hope in Jesus Christ. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, we read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. This verse is comforting to hear, because it shows us that, even, that if we give our lives to Christ, even when we stumble and make mistakes, his grace will cover our sins. So over these last few years, I've gotten to speak here on a number of different occasions, whether it be for Wednesday night devos or through preacher training camp. And I'm so thankful to the church for giving me these opportunities and teaching me how to speak publicly. Because I've heard the speech class at HCU is really, really hard. So every time I get up to preach here, there's usually a goal for how long I should speak. If it's a devotional, it's usually five minutes. If it's a lesson, it's usually around ten minutes. And tonight included, I feel like I just rifle through all of my content in about three minutes or forget something. I haven't forgotten anything so far, but I definitely rifled through pretty quickly. So after church, I always go up to my mom and, I, and my dad, and I say, Mom, was that 10 minutes? I felt like I was only up there for five. I could not have been up there long enough. 
Or, Dad, do you think I really, I really talked for the set amount of time? It went by way too quickly. And as I was sitting down to write this lesson, I kept thinking to myself, Mom, has it been 18 years? Has it really gone by that fast? Or, Dad, are you sure I'm old enough to go to college? And he'll usually say, old enough but not mature enough or something like that. <laughs> so, even though I've learned how to act through these last years and how to carry myself and so on, I'm finally going to be on my own. And I think that this passing of time has gone so quickly is because I've had things to distract me from how fast it goes. So I know that when I get to college, I'm going to make some mistakes. I'm going to handle some situations differently than I should. But the secret that no one tells you about going to college in your hometown is that you always have people close to you who you can go back to and ask for prayers, talk to, or if you just need a hug, I'm sure Mr. Harper would love to give you a hug. <laughs> so if, if, you're feel, if I'm feeling this way, I figure that someone else here is feeling this way. And if you're feeling this way, you don't have to do it alone. Don't let distractions on earth make your time here pass too quickly. If you would like the prayers and support of the church, please don't let the thought that you have plenty of time make you put it off. Or if you'd like to be baptized and start a new walk with Christ, please don't hesitate. If there's anything you need, come now as we stand and sing.